whoever is listening, however you are listening, I will welcome you back. My name is Grayson Mann. This is the Man with a Plan podcast, episode 17. Y'all, I am super excited. I am bringing on the definition of a super fan. This week, I have him here with me on the telephone. He has graciously agreed to allow me to interview him, and his name is Bob Murrow. He is a graduate from the University of Iowa, and at the end of the 2019 season, just before the COVID year, Mr. Murrow had a legendary streak going on for Iowa football games. And we will get into that in just a second, but I want to tell you, all of you out there, that when we found him, I wanted to get him on the show so badly, because the stories in this article are just absolutely hilarious, and I knew you guys would just get a kick out of it. But also, this guy's loyalty is the exact definition of what the superfan is all about. So let's get right to it. Mr. Bob Murrow, welcome to the show. Thank you. All right, so let's get right into it. So I, before we start this interview, I want to thank your daughter, Casey Murrow, because without her, we would have not been able to find you. So Casey, if you're listening, thank you so much for your help. And anyway, this article was back in 2017. And whether it was intended to be funny or not, I think it was hilarious. And I went on a mission to find you, and I'm really excited to have you on. So I really thought we would start in the beginning and talk about this love that you have for Iowa. Tell me, was this love something that you were born into, like born and raised in the family, or was it something that evolved when you ended up applying to Iowa? I would say mainly that it evolved. Um, I was raised in Iowa, in the town of Ottumwa, Iowa, which was about an hour and a half drive to Iowa City. So right there... Being a huge sports fan, even as long as I can remember, even I was in, played in all the sports that I could do and everything. I was an Iowa fan. Um, the Iowa State program had not been good for a long time, so it was easy to like the Hawkeyes <laughs> over the Cyclones, that was for sure. And then I had decided to go into pharmacy school and University of Iowa had a pharmacy program, so that drew me to Iowa City. And then after that, my love fest for the Hawkeyes started. It just wasn't football or basketball, the main two ones, but I went to all the wrestling matches, the gymnastic matches, and um, I took in a few swimming matches, you know, not too many of that, but... Um, you could just say that that was pretty much my entertainment in college is that if there was a sporting event for Iowa going on, you could find me there. All right. So understanding COVID really put like just a knot in everybody's plans in 2020. And I understand that you had a pretty massive streak going until that point. So both in terms of seasons and home games, what was your number? What was the streak? Well, you know, my streak is 53 years of never missing a home game. Wow. As far as the number of home games, um, I've never really sat down and figured that out because um, normally in a normal season, we will play seven home games. So you could probably multiply that. Sometimes it's been six, but most of the time seven way back in the early times, it would not be that many games because they would only play a 10 or 11 game season. So, but you can get an idea of how many home games by the average there, I think. I gotcha. 
So how often did you get to go to the away games? Did you try to do most of those or just the ones that were really close? When I was a student, I didn't get to go to the away games for obvious reasons, I think, is uh, with being in pharmacy and I was attempting to play baseball at Iowa at the same time, which didn't work out because of pharmacy demands were too much. You know, I was away, away from my studies too much for that. So my away games really started after I graduated, and we would primarily go to um, the ones that were close, like Illinois, Northwestern, Purdue, Minnesota, and Iowa State, that that circle there, uh, Wisconsin was always in that too. But when I finally retired about five years ago, then we made it a plan to go to all the away games too. So we've been pretty much doing all the away games and the home games the last five years having missed a few of the way games that are on the East Coast. So. Gotcha. What was there a point where you started to realize that this streak could really be something special? Did people start to notice it before you? And, for example, did anybody try to reach out before that interview or that 2017 article? Were you even contacted by a booster club for Iowa? You know, what happened is, for, as far as recognition goes, you can, you can uh, give that... Uh, recognition to my son Dustin because um, he is a professor of film at Portland State University and he's written a lot of screenplays and actually been involved in the Hollywood scene for four years before going to Portland and he was always looking for a good story and stuff and he got to thinking one day that maybe the people at Iowa should be aware of my streaks. So he wrote a nice letter to the Department of Athletics there, letting them know about my streak. So then they thought they had a campaign going actually that year in 2017 that was for Fight for Iowa, and they said I was perfect for that. And so each week they were um, having people. Um, on the Jumbotron, they'd put out like a minute of information up there, and then they would bring the person down on the field during the game or in between halftime or whatever, and and they would salute them for that. So that's what happened is that he's actually the one that contacted them, and then they thought that was a great idea, and then the Des Moines Register got you know, they took notice of it. And so Mark Emmert, a big writer for that paper, called me and interviewed me. And it just snowballed from there. And so then it became known throughout the papers in Iowa and a few in Illinois. And um, then that Penn State game, we were brought down on the field. And it was a really neat experience because you know, it was a night game. There were 70,000 people there. We were playing Penn State, so it was just electric. So wow. it was pretty neat. So I kind of owe that all to my son. So there are a lot of aspects of this article that I really just found just hilarious. 
and I would love for that to be sharing with our listeners. The first story I really want to talk about was apparently that your attendance streak was almost over before it even began. This apparently was when you were still a student at Iowa and you got sick with pneumonia. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, it's kind of kind of a funny story. Um, I um, had got really sick as a student and went over to student infirmary, and they put me in the hospital there and said I had pneumonia. Well, this was like a, somewhat like a Thursday or Friday, and. I was having had a home game against Minnesota that weekend, and it was just killing me because I couldn't go to the game, and I was just laying in the hospital bed, nobody around, and the hospital is right across the road from the stadium, so I could hear all the noise and all that. So I decided I surely can't die if I go to the game, but how am I going to get out of here? So I got dressed and. I waited till they brought in my meds, got that taken, and thought, okay, nobody usually comes back and checks on me for a couple hours, so, at least, so, I got dressed and sneaked out of the hospital, went over to the stadium, and much to my chagrin, we were having a blizzard that day, you couldn't even (laughs) see the band at halftime, it was so bad that, you know, it was like a whiteout, and I thought, well, this is probably not helping things, but... (laughs) I stuck it out, and uh, then I sneaked back over to the hospital, into the hospital, and waited. I saw nobody in the hall, rushed down to my room, and then got back in the, I changed my clothes back, got back in bed, and I think I pulled it off because nobody ever mentioned anything. (laughs) Oh, that is... What was really funny was that at that time, who happens to be my wife now, it was my girlfriend at the time. She had come over to visit me while I was gone. And she didn't know where I was at. And, you know, I mean, so she's like, went to the desk and they're like, well, we don't know, but um, he should be down there. So she couldn't figure it out. So she went back. So I didn't really quite get away with it, but they never did say anything about where you were, because I thought I'd just tell them the truth, because they wouldn't believe that. I guess. That is just (laughs) alone the definition of a super fan right there. That's something that you just hear out of a sitcom or something. Well, like, you got to go to the game. I got to find a way. I tried going out the window down the fire escape, but I was afraid I wouldn't be able to get back out, you know, back up the... You do crazy things when you're a teenager, you know, so... (laughs) I think another point that made me just laugh, just like this one, is was surrounding the first, the birth of your first child in 1974 and a potential conflict that it could oppose with an Iowa game. It honestly, again, sounds like something out of a sitcom, but if you don't mind sharing the story with us, I cannot wait to hear this one firsthand. Yeah, that was a, a really bad situation for me because uh, my son was born on September 17th, so that was like right at the beginning of the football season. And I had that streak going, It was, you know, and really I wasn't, when you think about it, I'm really not needed <laughs> at the hospital when, when we're giving birth to my child because my wife is the one that's really needed there. 
not me. You know, I'm I'm just standing there as an observer. So oh yeah. You know what really what good am I really doing when I could be at the Iowa game? So I was a nervous wreck. I wasn't trying to. I didn't tell her you know what I was thinking, but I didn't know how I was going to pull it off. But luckily, she had him on a Friday, and so it all worked out because I took off for the game on Saturday and didn't have to miss it. So. <laughs> That was a close call. Close call indeed. So another account from this article that I think is worth mentioning, you told your family no formal plans, no birthday parties, anything that really could screw up with the Iowa game. Like, and even you, there was a wedding that was planned. So could you tell us about that? Oh, yeah. Um, my whole family knows about this rule. And if there's going to be anything planned, it has to be during the off season, not during the season. Because if it is, they know I'm not going to be there. And so to save a lot of problems with the family and everything and is just don't do it, you know. So they've got plenty of warning. Well, my my brother went ahead and scheduled his daughter's wedding. You know, they wanted me to be in the wedding. And so it was supposed to be a, a late afternoon wedding. And... We were playing Iowa State that afternoon, and it was an early start. So I thought, okay, maybe I can go there and drive, you know, really fast back home and make it to the wedding in time. So I did that, and my family had found out about me being at the game, so they were quite unhappy even though <laughs> I, I made it back in time for the wedding. But they said, you know, I jeopardized not being there. So that was a close call, too. I've had a few close calls, but when it came right down to it, you know, I was willing to become the black sheep of the family (laughs) to get to the Iowa game. I'm sorry. You know, it wasn't. They knew the rule, and they they blew the rules. So Hey, they knew where you were, at least, that Iowa football game. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I feel like... You've witnessed a lot of really amazing Iowa football games. Can you tell me a particular moment or a couple games that just, like, when you think about it, you're just like, oh, man, like, that just gives you chills, like, like the iconic moments of Iowa football. Can you name a couple that were just so spectacular or, or just unforgettable? Okay, there's one that stands way up on top of the stack, and that's the October 1985 uh, number one, Iowa against number two, Michigan at home. And it was going to be our first night game. And so it was just electric. So the feeling in the stands was just crazy. I still get goosebumps when I think about it. The game was a knockdown drag out and looked like we were going to win it. But at the last minute, they scored. Michigan did. So we had to come back. We're down 10 to 9. We had to kick a field goal. I mean, well, actually, we had to go the length of the field, and Chuck Long was the quarterback, and he took us down the field in about 30 seconds or so, and we got about a 40 yard field goal, 45 yard field goal distance. And, and of course, they made the field goal. Rob Houtland was the guy that was his name. He's now a legend at Iowa. And we had beaten Michigan, who, you know, we hadn't done for a long time anyway. So that 
that is by far the most outstanding feeling I've ever had at a sporting event. It was just, you were hugging everybody, people that you don't know. You know, it was just, it was, the, the field was just absolutely swarmed over. And uh, that's by far the, the number one feeling. The, another one that really took a lot of pressure off was November 21st of 81 when we beat Michigan State in the last game of the year to clinch our first Rose Bowl uh, wow. visit uh, in 23 years. And they were throwing roses off the top of the press box and everybody was just going nuts. can imagine you know, that. So that, was, that was pretty special. And then, of course, more recently, probably the 2017 win at home against Ohio State when we beat them 55-24. to 24. It was just a beatdown. I remember watching that game at home. I was like, wow, Ohio State just looks like they don't belong. I, it was, I think my best memory with Iowa, too, was just like, they're always the team that, like, any given su- like Saturday, they're going to upset you. Like, that's the team I don't want to play. Right, and it's mainly because they they are, uh, build their team on defense primarily, you know. So that'll keep you in most games. So that's why the, most of their games are go down to the final few minutes regardless of who they're playing, whether they're bad or good. It's just... It's not like Clemson where you can just beat down everybody, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, we so, have a lot more. We have a lot more exciting games than Clemson does. I can imagine sure. that. I can imagine that. Uh, the story I mean, that's told by the media about Iowa football is that obviously, like you said, they're playing in close games. They're gritty. They're tough. They're in the trenches. They have the strengths. They're in the tight ends. If someone never looked deeper than that, what would you tell them that they're missing about Iowa football? a tough question. I think the probably the true strength of the Iowa program is it's a developmental program. And so, you know, our coach has been there 21 years now, and um, what they can do is they, they can take a two-star recruit or a walk-on, and within three to four years, they can convert him into a NFL-type player. And so a lot of people, like a lot of teams like Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State that take these four- and five-star recruits, you know, they don't really have to develop them that much because they're already really good. And I think by these kids having walked on the program or not getting much notoriety that they even try harder it's not handed to them so much, you know, and so it makes them even that much stronger. So I think that's why you see the Iowa program year after year never really have a down season. Right. So let's talk about Iowa and Iowa State, that rivalry. First of all, is Iowa State your least favorite team? And can you just elaborate to all the listeners out there? It's majority of an ACC, SC base. I mean, I'm currently in Clemson right now, and we're kind of in our own little bubble about, like, yeah. the South and football. So tell us about that Iowa State rivalry. Is it really as intense as advertised? It has been intense the last 10 years. But 
like when Hayden Fry came in 1979, even before that, you know, it had been pretty much a domination by Iowa. After Hayden Fry got there, we won 20 consecutive years over Iowa State. And so in order really to have a rivalry, you got to have competition. And so it's not as big a rivalry before the last 10 years as you would think because it was one of these things where you just expected them to win the game and just by, you know, how much are they going to win by, you know. It wasn't uncommon to be 60 to nothing all the time. Wow. They were just a really bad program. Uh, the the series got stopped for like 30, 40 years, and then it was restarted in 1977. But be, the reason it was stopped was because there was that rivalry you're talking about, because everybody was hating each other, and there was fighting going on, and it was, got pretty ugly. And so the administration of each school decided enough is enough, and they just stopped it. And so... It took, it took the state legislature in Iowa to restart the series, actually, in 1977. Wow. And then it's been going every year since. Now they have become uh, quite a foe, and it is a rivalry now, a true rivalry. Hmm. So, but it's not what outsiders like where you are would think it would be as much, because, like, in the state of Iowa, too, Iowa's program has always been the number one program, so Iowa usually takes all the top recruits, the best players in Iowa, and then Iowa State would get what was what was left over. And now that's not true, so you know it's even become more of a rivalry. I I think the thing you see that the funniest thing is that they have flags at Iowa that have one side is Iowa Hawkeye, on the other side of the flag is the uh, Iowa State Cyclone. And these are what they call mixed marriage families. There's a guy that went to Iowa, the woman, the wife that went to Iowa State, you know, and so you see that at all these Iowa State, Iowa games where they've got split families going, but until uh, recently, the rivalry hasn't been all that much, you know. So I would say um, we have a much larger rivalry against Wisconsin than we do Iowa State. Oh. Nebraska's been trying to become our rival, but they have been so bad <laughs> that we've beaten them six years in a row, and so that's also kind of falling in that thing where you've got to be more competitive to be a true rival. You that's know? right. So, has there been a, a Hawkeye player that went on to play in the NFL that has just really made you, like, super proud of, like, where they've come from, their story? Or do you have just an overall favorite player from Iowa that's currently in the pros? Well, I can answer both of those. The, the most proud player, I think, is Dallas Clark. He was the tight end for Indianapolis Colts. And he was there when Peyton Manning was there. And he went on to a, a huge... NFL career, and he was a walk-on at Iowa. Wow. And uh, he's one of these developmental players that you see that comes through the program. And to have to have made it, you know, as a walk-on at Iowa to becoming 
an all-pro 10 years in a row or so is quite an accomplishment. So I'd say he's probably the player that I'm most proud of. And, of course, currently, um, George Hitchin, I mean, um, Kittle for the 49ers, he's so much fun. and So good, too. He's got to be considered the top tight end, I would think, and has quite the personality. He wants to, after football's over, he wants to go into the WWE. So I give you that idea of what kind of person he is. So. All right. And, of course, my favorite player to go in the NFL is Chuck Long. That's not, not to be argued. I mean, he came along and, and you know, I had been an Iowa fan. Well, I mean, I started as a student there in 67. And it took 15 years before we had a winning season. And there was five years before that. So there was 20 consecutive years of losing seasons that I don't think Clemson people can identify with. But um, I still, you know, uh, this, we would still fill the stadium. You know, I mean, you would go and you'd watch Ohio State beat us 60 to nothing, you know. And, but we would still all be there. And that's just the way the Iowa fans are. So, you know, that that is, and then Chuck Long came along and became this great quarterback that that uh, took us to heights that we'd never seen, you know. So he, he didn't have that great a career with the Detroit Lions, but uh, he'd got his arm hurt, and a lot of people don't know that. But. Hmm. I think he could have been the great quarterback in the NFL if that hadn't happened. So. All right. We're going to do a little bit of a lightning round to, before we wrap things up, and then I got the final question that I think that everyone's going to get an absolute kick out of. So I'm just going to ask you some questions, and then whatever comes to mind, just whatever first pops in your head, I want you to answer. So we're going to start with this. Which team would you associate with the nicest fans? With the nicest fans? Um, excluding Iowa, of course, right? Right, of course. <laughs> um, hmm, probably, oh, wow, probably Michigan State. Oh, okay. All right, so now we're going to move. Every time we, every time we go there, they, they are so nice. They're, they, they thank you for coming. They offer you, uh, to share their wine. <laughs> you know, their their tailgates, you know, you don't see that at other places. No, you don't. So I guess we'll do the inverse of that. Which fans would you say have not been the most pleasant to be around? Easy, Wisconsin. <laughs> All right, that'll help me answer my last question. They are question. horrible. I'll give you a nice story if you like stories. All right. I mean, I've got several that go up there. I had one year where I went to a Wisconsin game, and we... I had two friends, and we had bought tickets outside, not knowing that they were near the student section. So we get there. We have our gold and black on. Of course, Wisconsin's red and white, so we stick out like a sore thumb. So this time, you know, they weren't uh, policing them quite so well, so they bring in as much alcohol as they really wanted. So they get pretty, pretty drunk during the game. Well, they decided that... We didn't need to see the game 
and so even though we are in the bleachers, you know, they built a human pyramid wow. of students in front of us so we couldn't see around them. And then after that, they started throwing uh, snops on us, beer, and then I also had a whiskey bottle that hit me directly in the back about three inches below my neck. Whoa. As hard as it could be. Um, I also had another situation where leaving the game, I was walking down the street and a carload of fans from Wisconsin, if you want to call them that, uh, decided that I didn't need to be alive. So they decided they would try to run me down. So I saw this starting to develop. So I took up in the person's yard and they followed me up in the yard. So then I had to dive into the shrubbery in front of this person's house in order to not get hit by them. And then they just tore off and were all laughing and having a good time. Wow. And the lady came out of the house and apologized and said, we're not all like that. <laughs> so she saw the whole thing. Yeah. So, so I know you don't have time for the podcast or this type of thing, but I could go on and on and on about things that have happened at Wisconsin. Might have to bring you back on again just for some Wisconsin stories. <laughs> so besides there Iowa, give me your besides Iowa, give me your favorite Big Ten football team. My favorite Big Ten football team besides Iowa. Wow, that's tough because you don't like other Big Ten. Um, I guess, I guess it would have to be Illinois. Okay. You know, I mean, I live in Illinois. I'm two hours from their stadium. I've been to quite a few of their games. Hmm. Um, they have been so bad for so long that, you know, that makes it easier. You know, like two years ago, we were down there and we beat them 63 to nothing. So that makes a fun game too, as far as. <laughs> We're not used to that. I know Clemson is like, that's a regular weekend happening. But, you know, we're not used to that kind of, of situation. So our games are usually always close, no matter who we play. So. so who would you say is your favorite NCAA coach? And this, of course, can be someone from the Iowa Hawkeyes, if you choose to include that. Favorite NCAA coach? Um, present or past? Um, it can be either. Well, then that's a no-brainer. It's got to be Aiden Fry. The guy was not only ahead of his time, you know, when he came into the Big Ten, it was the Big Eight and the, I mean, the Big Two and the Little Eight, and uh, he changed that around. He brought uh, a passing game that the rest of the Big Ten had never seen before Woody Hayes and Bolshan Beckler and those that group is run, run, run. And uh, he kind of got his foot in there. He actually, during the 80s, had a better overall Big Ten record than either Michigan or Ohio State. Wow. And he took us to three Rose Bowls. So that was pretty special. So, and he was, had the Texas Southern draw, you know, and he had so many catchphrases and he was just a delight to listen to, you know, his after game. He always would come up with something funny. After every win, they would do the hokey pokey in the locker room. (laughs) 
and uh, you know, you know, he he really wanted to win a Rose Bowl, and the first time in '85 they went out and they were heavy favorites to beat UCLA, and they ended up losing. And he said, "Well, if we come back again, we're not going to uh, have." situation it's going to be a business trip we're not going to go to disneyland and do all those fun things that you do when you come out here it's going to be all business well then in 91 we went out and we lost again he goes well just think what would have happened if i had let these guys go out and have a good time what the score would have been you know i mean he's just he was really just something else as far as it being funny and delight. i think People in the media were thriving on all, all the phrases that he said. made their job really easy, is what I'm saying. Wow. So this is going to be the final question before we wrap things up. It's going to be pretty – going to ask a lot of you here. But let's – based on this interview, I can tell that Wisconsin's definitely not your favorite team. No. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you this scenario. Let's say that Iowa has a chance – guaranteed they will, will win – Next year's national championship, but the catch is you got to wear Wisconsin gear the entire year. Can you do it? Entire year, um, but then we would win the championship. Wow, that's not a very nice question. Um, <laughs> um, first of all, I don't know. I am a St. Louis Cardinal fan, so I have a few red things. I might be able to put something together. Um, wow. Um, I... No, I don't think so. Wow. I mean, I mean, it would just be... The whole year would be sucky because... <laughs> you know, I mean, you'd be going to all these other games and you would be having Wisconsin. I'd be just... I couldn't do that. Couldn't I, do it. The year would be too long, you know, <laughs> and we're not used to winning championships anyway, and we still have a great time. It's not all about winning. It makes it a lot more fun, but in the long run, you know, it's really about the game itself and whether you enjoy it or not, you know. I mean, it just really irritates me to no end when people leave the game early. I just... Oh yeah. Beginning more and more. I just I don't understand it. I mean, if we're if we're if it's uh, we're having a blizzard or it's pouring down rain or whatever, you know, I I can understand somewhat that people are uncomfortable, but so are the players, and they work so hard and try to put you know a, their best foot forward. Is it asking too much for us to sit there and watch the entire game? A lot of these players. Don't get into the end if the game's far apart, you know. Mm. So I just I don't I don't understand that either. So I'll never leave a game early. Never. I'll hold no. you to that. Never. Won't All happen. right. Well, I just want to thank you so much for coming on here. I think that everyone who listens to this podcast is going to get an absolute just just a kick out of what a true fan you are and. Just what makes football and sports in general special are people like you that are just 100% committed, 100% all into what they're doing. I would just want to, again, thank you so much for doing this. I hope that everyone enjoyed listening to this interview. This was Bob Morrow. Any last words before we go? 
opportunity to beat Clemson someday. <laughs> oh man, I would like to see that. <laughs> oh, I man. think we would have a shot. <laughs> All right. Well, this was the Man with a Plan podcast, episode seventeen. This is Bob Murrow, Iowa Hawkeyes legend, Iowa Hawkeyes super fan. I hope you guys have a fantastic day, and as always, take care.